You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Justin Baki, Zeke Boyat, and Brett Marshall back here with you to talk Minnesota Wild. A lot of storylines, some big, some small, to go over on today's show, from trade speculation to players in the doghouse to players playing really well to uh, big contract extensions. Tons to get to today, and we will get to all that. But as we always do, got to check in with the fellas. Zeke, how's it going tonight, my friend? Uh, going pretty good. You know, happy to be back here. You know, after the week off, uh, you know, just been been lucky enough to have today and tomorrow off. So just been had a good day of you know hanging out, relaxing, not doing much, and uh, just uh, looking forward to talking some wild with you guys. Nice, Justin. What about you? Uh, doing well. Uh, about to hit my long weekend, so I uh, got that going. But it's been pretty busy between you know watching the wild and and running the kids around to their activities. Hockey season still going strong, so. Last couple nights have been <clears throat> canceled due to the outdoor ice, ice being pretty choppy, so got a little reprieve with that. But uh, also miss watching them play, so it's kind of like a, yeah. a little reprieve. But you also like miss watching them, even though they'll play this weekend again. Yeah, and we're supposed but, to get some more well. tonight, more snow tonight too. I think yeah. Yeah, like three to five inches or something. So, yeah. so relentless, so relentless punch in the gut <sighs> from winter here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, happy to have everyone back here. Uh, Again, apologies for missing last week. We had some scheduling conflicts, hopefully back on our normal schedule here going forward. Uh, But no guarantees. But That's why we're an independently independently operated podcast. We appreciate the support. And those who continue to tune in will try to get uh, back on schedule, especially as we approach some exciting things here with the All-Star Game upcoming with... Um, you know, Scott Wheeler's in the midst of his prospect rankings, so we'll keep tabs on that. We'll probably have our mid-season risers and fallers episode with the Soda Pod coming up uh, maybe in a week or two here. So uh, lots of good stuff coming your way. Uh, but let's get to the most recent wild stuff. Justin, as we always do, we'll kick it to you first uh, with the prospect update. Yeah, it's been a couple weeks, so I'll just kind of touch on uh, just a few things here. Um, I'll start with the Iowa Wild. They're currently riding a five-game uh, winning streak. Uh, three of them are against Grand Rapids. I think their last three games have been against them. And, uh, you know, McIntyre's played well, but you just Jesper Wallstead, everyone. Um, man, kind of a, a tough start, a little adjustment period maybe, but those last four starts, he's been excellent. He's allowed one goal or less in all four starts, sitting at a .75 goals against average and almost uh, 98% save percentage in those four games with a shutout. So, you know, Maybe he's, this is the he's finally developing, like getting used to the North American game and, and you know kind of the pro game. Even though another step to go, but it's <laughs> good to see him, you know, develop like that. Um, another player that we haven't really talked a whole lot about, Rieger Lorenz for the University of Denver. Um, he's been playing basically fourth line minutes because Denver is stacked up top. I, I've had people ask me if I'm worried about him. I'm not. He's very offensive minded, but he's a freshman playing on a stack mm-hmm. team, getting fourth yeah. line minutes. So uh, it was good to see him get a three point weekend this past weekend, though, and get his name out there a little more than it has been. Another player I'm going to touch on is uh, Hunter Haight. Picked up uh, a few points this past couple weeks. Water is really wet. Really played well since joining Saginaw. Go ahead, Brett. I was just something? saying water is wet. Hunter Haight has more points. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, ever since his trade to Saginaw, he's just been amazing. He's up to 35, 32 points in 35 games, 23 points in the 15 games since joining Saginaw, and he has another goal tonight so far, so 24 points in 16 games. Um, getting closer to that points-a-game clip 
that he was so far away from when he was on Barry. So good to see him playing well there. Kind of the hate that we were expecting this season. Servak mm-hmm. uh, Petrovsky's had a really good uh, couple weeks as well. He was our lightest prospect of the week. And, uh, you know, not only is he picking up points, he's up to 37 and 33 games, but it seems more games than not, <clears throat> he's winning a ton of faceoffs. Like last game he played that I remember, he, it was like 12 of 19 on faceoffs. It seems to be kind of something that happens frequent with him. Let's see. Kyle Masters, we keep bringing him up. He just keeps adding to this amazing season. He's already up to three times the amount of points he had last year in about half as many games. Insane. Uh, just, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. He's, he's, he's right. He should be rising up fans' charts, and, and you know people should have their eyes on him because he's having an amazing season and developing well. Uh, yeah, Kamloops is stacked, but when you're – got three times as many points as you did last year. You, I mean, that's that's no small feat. And didn't Kamloops just add somebody too? Yeah, Zellweger. Yeah, Zellweger. Other defensemen. So I don't know if yeah. he's playing with Masters now or what. But uh, Last last couple games I've seen, uh, Zellweger's on the first pairing, Masters on the second pairing, okay. but Mas- it's not slowing Masters down. Yeah. <laughs> Kamloops is so stacked right now. It's It's incredible. <clears throat> and speaking of Kamloops, Caden Bankier, he's up to 41 points in 21 games and is currently riding a 10-game point streak. So, um, you know, a lot of uh, – Petrovsky, I already talked about him, but he's riding a 7-game point streak. Just a lot of good going on with our prospect pool right now. So um, that's uh, kind of the main points, main touch points this week. Sounds good, uh, and I think I don't know if you mentioned this. Uh, both Jesper Wallstedt and or excuse me, Jesper Wallstedt, oh, yeah. Wallstedt and Sammy Walker. Uh, Sammy Walker been named to the AHL All Star Game, uh, which is pretty cool to see for both of those two. Um, and the other piece, I think I, w- I haven't been able to confirm this, but I think uh, reading through Twitter today, it sounds like Danila Yurov could potentially be dealing with an injury. Um, I don't think yeah. he's, he hasn't played in like the last like ten or something games. So hopefully, it's an injury right. and not a. Uh, uh, sign an extension, you're not going to play situation again. Hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, seen any injury confirmation, but yeah, I've I've tracked their teams every game they play, and he hasn't been in either the KHL or the MHL lineup. He was in the MHL for a, a few games, like he keeps getting dropped up and down. But yeah, he hasn't he hasn't played in, in a while. Yeah, so definitely something to monitor there. We'll uh, hopefully have some clarity on that. Sometime soon, but uh, hard to know for sure. Uh, moving on from the prospects, um, you know, the next thing we could talk about here, a handful of games since we last recorded, I believe uh, we had games against the Lightning, Buffalo, St. Yes. Louis, the Rangers, Islanders, Yotes, and then uh, most recently last night against the Capitals. Um you know, kind of some ups and downs in that stretch. Is there any games in particular, moments in any of those games you guys want to highlight here uh, before we maybe get into some more specific topics regarding players and, and different things like that? Uh, I mean, it's kind of been a tale of, I mean, we've played some of these games where, I mean, there's not really one I want to really t- touch on uh, off the top of my head, but it, it just seems like, we're winning some of these games when maybe we shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the game like against Tampa, that was a really good game. And then, mm-hmm. then against Arizona and, you know, Washington started off pretty pretty sluggish. And even the Islanders game took us to like what, the third period to start yeah. uh, scoring. Um, kind of, it could have gone uh, another way. You know, we're like five or six, two and one in our last few. And it really could have been, you know, two, six and one or whatever. But um, I'm happy to see us win however we can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you on that. Just I think it kind of did mention the Tampa game. I mean, the game after that then was that uh, the overtime loss in Buffalo. That was kind of crazy back and forth. And it mm-hmm. seemed like, you know, that kind of not so great play that you mentioned that, you know, we've seen kind of started after that game where they were kind of loose, you know, playing the track meet style run and gun, which obviously isn't their game this year. So, you know, obviously it's probably not direct correlation, but, it, you know, it seems to be that after that, they've kind of had the same trouble. Uh, you know, that's the last time they've scored more than, you know, the three or four goals here. So it, it, it's 
you know, like you said, they've won games, but uh, seemingly the last couple of weeks have just had trouble, you know, generating consistently offense. But as you said, winning is winning. So especially with how tight the division is, uh, it, it's, it's not too big of a deal to, you know, play your worst stretch of hockey of the year maybe and come out with four wins in the last two weeks. So. Yeah, it's just been kind of weird. I mean, if you go back to a couple weeks ago against St. Louis, they lose that game 3-0, but pretty much mm-hmm. controlled um, every aspect of that game. All three lines had expected goals percentages over mm-hmm. um, over 60%. Um, some of them, I mean, the lines I think got a little jumbled because I think they were, were they doing 11-7 and seven that game, I think. Um, that was the Greenway scratch, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but I mean, they played really good in that game. They had 82 shot attempts, 2.87 expected goals. Um, just couldn't find a way to, to beat, uh, Thomas Grice in that one. Um, you know, so it really feels like, ah, man, it really felt game they should have won. Then you look back at maybe these last two against the Yotes and then last night against Washington where it's like, well, they really were not at their best. Um, offense wasn't really doing a whole lot. Defense was kind of sloppy and yet, uh, you know, bailed out by Flurry one night, and then Gustafson again, phenomenal. Um, we'll talk about him here in a minute too, um, and kind of stealing some wins for the Wild. But um, I, I think for me, the big thing is is this: this team needs to it needs to figure it out a little bit. Like, yeah, you've you know you've won now two in a row, but it's two games where you have not played well. Um, you know, if you look ahead to, to your next couple games, you're not my, probably not going to get away with that against Carolina, Florida team, who is seemingly maybe starting to find their footing a little bit. Um, and then Tampa Bay as your next three opponents. Like, that's a gaunt where you need to have your A game. Um, and I mentioned this on Twitter last night. I said, you know, if even if, you know, your goalies can't bail you out every night, and if one of them has, you know, somewhat of an off night or even like an average night by all standards, um, they could be in trouble, you know. Last night, I think they generated the team as a whole, like 1.47 like expected goals in that game. Um, against the Capitals, including, I think, just a shellacking in the first period um, and a pretty pretty blast-ditch effort by the Caps in the third period, too, where they outshot the Wild, I think, like 13-3 and, like, 17-7 to or something um, in those two frames. So they got to tighten that stuff up. Um, offensively, it just doesn't seem like they're getting to the middle a lot. Um, the Kaprizov line was terrible last night, hardly got the puck out of the defensive zone all game, so... You know, winning's great, but I think, you know, I, I, I'm at that point where I don't want this team to feel, like, complacent with all that. Like, oh, we've won two in a row. We're, we're surging. It's no. You haven't won two in a row because you've played well. You've won two in a row because your goalies have saved your asses twice. So hopefully they'll go back to work on some stuff because uh, the Corsi Canes are, are up next, and they will uh, they'll expose that kind of stuff. So I'm happy that they're winning, but, you know, some things I'd like to see tightened up here as we head into, you know, a, a, this next month and a half is going to be, uh, you know, there's a lot of tough games. You have Dallas, you have Florida twice, Vegas, Colorado. You have Dallas once, Toronto, L.A., um, Nashville. You know, some some tough some tough games on that schedule coming up um, as yeah, they well, you know, I, sort of round out this road trip as well. Well, I mean, I think that's just kind of the nature of playing 82 games and having such a long season is that obviously you're not going to be perfect all the time. And even last year, uh, you know, won 53 games, but they had that stretch in like February or whatever. They lost like six in a row, and you know everyone was kind of, you know, maybe not freaking out, but it, they, you know, it just seemed like they couldn't uh, win a game, save their lives. But uh, so you know, hopefully that's just uh, you know just a little bit of a rut in the road here, uh, and they get back to kind of how they played, you know, pretty much for the entire December before that. Yeah, it's uh, a good point. Kind of like the beginning of the season, so ebbs and flows. Beginning of the season, we allowed like a hundred goals in four games or whatever. But <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. And another thing I'd like to see them uh, get a little better at is that first power play unit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of bugged me. I feel like maybe in parts of the season they're they're moving the puck really well, getting open, just crisp passes, a lot of movement. And I feel like lately it's been a lot of like trying to get too cute and, and staying yeah. around the perimeter. And then by the time they maybe get a chance, they're turning the puck over and having to go 200 feet again to try and get set up. And it just, I, I think that needs to get cleaned up as well. Yeah. Just one goal for the power play across the last uh, five games. That was against um, the Yotes. That looks like over about, let's see, it'd be three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine power plays. So one for their last nine. Um, so yeah, not, not great. Um, you know, I think that you can look at part of that reason, maybe why the offense is appearing to sputter a little bit is, you know, a lot of that offense, especially in the year was coming from that power play. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, I think that's definitely something they need to, you know, try to right the ship on a little bit. But um, I agree with you, Justin. I think at sometimes they just, it's maybe one extra pass instead of, you know, just getting a shot on net, finding a rebound, um, trying to get a little too cute. A lot of skill, but I think sometimes, you know, I, I've been meaning to pull the stat on when Matt Boldy averages over five shots a game um, or attempts um, what the Wilds' record is because it feels like when he's shooting the puck more, it feels like, he, he, you know, obviously one, he plays better, um, and two, the, the team seems to be more successful too, and I think at times he feels like he needs to move that puck to, uh, you know, to uh, Eck or uh, Kaprizov or Zuccarello or something and, you know, maybe a little more selfishness. But um, speaking of Matt Boldy, um, big development this week, probably the top storyline from the last 24, 48 hours here. Uh, Matt Boldy does get a contract extension, uh, not the extension I was expecting um, at all, but um, seven years, $7 million average annual value, $49 million in total that will kick in next year, and I believe a modified 10-team no-trade um, on the back two years of that deal, um, if I recall correctly. So Boldy turned 21, I think he'll be 22 in like, March, April, some, somewhere, sometime in the spring, I believe, in these next couple months, um, he'll be 22. So still a really young forward. The Wild really betting on the ceiling and the upward trajectory that Boldy appears to be on. Um, I love it from that perspective because I think if you look at things, you know, our assumption, I think, always in this show is he'd get some sort of bridge deal, you know, when you were in the mm-hmm. three and a half to probably five million for two or three years to kind of get him through these buyouts. Um, at which point he'd be due for probably a massive raise. Um, but you're also looking at that point, that's when Kaprizov's going to need a massive raise, and all of a sudden now you might have, you know, $20 million locked up in two players. Um, now instead you'd almost get Matt Boldy on a, what right now may not seem team-friendly, um, but, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years down the line, uh, this deal <coughs> has the potential to look pretty, pretty good. Um, and my Matt Boldy jersey just came in the mail last week, so it feels very safe to have that jersey yeah. investment uh, now under my belt as a jersey I can wear for the next, uh, you know, seven and a half years at a minimum. So pretty great. Yeah, no, well, I'm very happy with this this contract. Um, you know, very sim, almost identical to Kyle Connor. Uh, he actually mm-hmm. makes a little bit less than Kyle Connor did does. Um, yeah, yep. I, you know, like you said in the in the the front part of the contract might look a little rich, but down the road, he could be uh, like a nine to ten, eleven million dollar player, and when you need to re-sign someone like Kaprizov down the road, you have that extra two, three, four million exactly. to put to his contract. Hopefully, keep him around. You know, there's gonna be other guys that will need contracts eventually, but uh, no, I mean, this this contract could look like a steal. Could look like an Eck type contract, maybe even better mm-hmm. uh, down the road here. I mean, it's it's interesting because it kind of continues a trend. You know, in the just not just the wild with the league the last couple of years of giving these kind of younger players who've maybe played two or three years in their rookie contract, you know, 80 to 100 games, these big deals, you know, kind of at, you know, at a high cap hit, but in, in a reduced sense, like, like everyone knows, to keep the price down through their prime years, you know, with guys like Jack Hughes, Tim Stutzla, Nick Suzuki, and obviously Tage Thompson this year seems to kind of be the, a thing teams are looking to do, you know, like, like, like Brett explained to keep the salary cap down for the team and, uh, you know, also for the players, you know, in Matt Boldy's case, you know, you could argue that, you know, if he waited two or three years, he could get, you know, like everyone said, he could get paid eight, $9 million and make even more. But, you know, at the same time, from his perspective, uh, you know, getting a big uh, $49 million payday when you're 21 seems like a pretty good deal uh, to get that security being a team that seemingly that he really likes seems to really get along with everybody in the team. Uh, so, so it's great from that perspective, but uh, you know, I think obviously some of the, maybe some of the, you know, maybe confusion from some fans uh, on the deal is that, you know, he hasn't maybe looked his greatest this year, at least recently, you know, it's kind of gone through with the rest of the team, a little bit of a scoring drought where he hasn't been producing much, but I think as Brett highlighted the, open to this that you kind of forget that he's 21 and like you said it's a it's a future deal rather than right now so it's not really a, you know at least i'm sure you guys feel the same but it's not really a concern really at all for me no another thing that this <clears throat> does especially for this summer going forward is it shows them what they have to work with yep you know they had whatever 16 million dollars before this and quite a few guys left to sign but uh 
may have writing on the wall for other players, but uh, they're kind of I, I maybe expect more contracts before uh, the season's end here to kind of see what they have to work with in the off season and uh, see what guys they want sticking around and and what can really move on. So. And it's got to be cool too, as a you know a twenty-one year old player. He's now the third highest player on the team behind Kaprizov and Spurgeon. So your best player and the captain, and then there's you, number three. You know that that's a big vote of confidence from a GM to put that much faith in a twenty-one year old to say, "Hey, I I believe in you. I believe in your future. You know, you, you've shown us that you deserve this." Um, you know, I think the reason we always assume Bridge is I don't think we really assume that we'd be able to get the term and the AAV at where it was. And I yeah. think when now, that sounds like that's kind of how the contract sort of unfolded quickly was they were at breakfast and, you know, they, they kind of, you know, discussed over the terms. And when Garen heard he could, you know, lock this up and kind of secure that, that cost certainty, as we've talked about, which has been so important mm-hmm. for this team, you know, to you, you think of the team that they could potentially have in place here in these next three, four years with the players left coming up, the contracts coming off the books. They're going to have room to surround Kaprizov and Boldy and whoever ends up being on the blue line and, and yes, Bavalstad and whoever else, like they're going to have room to add guys out of free agency to go big in trades and bring in big names. They're going to have that flexibility, um, and it's moves like this um, that make things like that possible. Um, then, of course, you had the the Fiala folks pop out of the Raptors again. It's like, well, that's well, seven million you could have given to Fiala, and it's like, yes, and now that money would be gone for yeah. uh, for Boldy. So if you'd paid Fiala eight and Boldy seven, uh, you now have one million. You would now have one million dollars left. Um, to fill out another four or five spots in your roster. Good luck with that. Um, yeah. Without, of course, making other moves. So, um, you know, this podcast, big bully fans. So obviously, we're all very excited. Yes, but I think, uh, you know, wild fans in general should have, you know, be very excited. You know, uh, still a very young player. The sky's the limit for him. Um, really excited to see, you know, especially if they can maybe surround him with a little bit more talent on that second line. Love Ryan Hartman. Love Freddie Goudreau. I just think. If you could find someone a little bit more offensive, you know, it might be, you know, maybe, you know, we saw what he did with Kevin Fiala. If they could find someone maybe of that caliber or maybe, you know, half a mm-hmm. step down, um, you know, the he could he could explode anytime. So uh, great on that. So I think, you know, the logical next place for us to go from here is kind of, you know, Justin, you started to allude to this a little bit, is kind of the, the trickle-down effect that this will have um, as the wild look ahead. You know, we talked, Zeke, I think you mentioned the cost certainty um, maybe it's Justin of, of what you have now to work with. Um, still, you know, still wild, as you guys mentioned, 16 million in cap, um, heading into next year estimated, um, take 7 million off easy to do the math. You about $9 million left. And I believe eight free agents, um, that you have to make a decision on among those. I believe it is Kalen Addison, Freddie Goudreau, Mason Shaw. Um, did you say Gustafson already? Sorry. Yep. Yep, Gus Shaw, Addison, Duhame, Steel. Reeves, Steele, Goudreau, mm-hmm. and there's one more. Oh, Dumba. Um, yeah. So you have those eight, basically, that you still have to decide on. Obviously, Dumba is gone. Um, that's, you know, Russo's been reporting that since the, mm-hmm. the season started, essentially, and this pretty much all but assured that. But, you know, now some tough decisions to make because, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, reading between the tea leaves, they – aren't opposed to the idea of signing Kalen Addison, but also aren't opposed to the idea of, you know, maybe trading him while his value is high. He's on our face status. He's proven he can run number one power play. Um, you know, the wild might try to fight to keep the number down for the fact that, you know, you're not logging big minutes. Your defense isn't where it needs to be, you know, for it to be paid a, you know, a four or $5 million, whatever he might command. So <clears throat> I think that'll be a really interesting negotiation to see where that goes as he heads for his RFA season here. If, you know, they can come to some sort of agreement there if he potentially prices himself out. And if they do, what can they, you know, what can they recoup um, in that kind of trade? Um, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, about a guy like Alex Kalagoski now at this point. Is he a cap casualty? We always talk about Dumba being gone. You know, Sam Steele's one of the most interesting to me. I think, you know, the guarantees that are coming back, Freddie Goudreau's coming back, I think, almost yeah. guaranteed. Like, I don't remember who it was. Um, was it the Penguins or the Panthers? I think they signed like Mike Matheson or something to like a seven year, like $1.8 <laughs> million AAV or something. Like that is going to be the contract that Freddie Goudreau is going to, he's going to get like, an eight, he's gonna get like a seven year extension at like $1.2 million. Like chalk it up. It's going to happen. And it'll be great. Um, you can use him everywhere. The coaches love him. Management loves him. If you can get him for cheap, like who gives a shit? Um, he's coming back. Like regardless of whether fans yeah. hate him or not, he's coming back. Um, 
So probably somewhere one to two million for him, as be my guess. So now you're down to essentially seven million to decide um, <clears throat> what to do. I think you know we'll talk about Philip Gustafson in a minute, but you know these these last yeah, twelve games haven't uh, proved that this guy needs to stick around. Um, you know it could be for the you know it could be a good and a bad thing that he's playing well because. I think with every game he continues to play well, that price goes up and up. And, you know, he might say, eh, let's hold off on that extension. Let me see how I finish the year. Um, see if I can, you know, hike my value up some more. But I think, you know, the Wild will find a way to, to keep him um, and lock him up for, for a couple more years, um, you know, to back, you know, be a 1A or a backup or, you know, even the starter next year with Flurry, And then, um, you know, give Volstead that extra time to bake and, you know, have those two be a tandem once the time comes. Um, to me, I think of the most in- the interesting ones are, are Shaw, Duhame, um, and Steele. So, like, all of them kind of have carved out a role. Steele, I mean, he's been, he's worked on that top line. Um, when you're going to be in a cap crunch, like, is that your solution there if you can keep the value down on him? Um, Duhame, we've seen him, you know, this year really be successful kind of wherever you've put him. Um, we've seen him, you know, kind of on a scoring line. We've seen him, you know, with with uh, Felino and, and Eck. Um, be effective as a, as a member of that line. Um, we've seen him just, you know, be solid on the fourth line um, with Dewar and Reeves. I thought they were the Wilds' best line against Washington sure. last night. They had some big plays in that one. Um, so he's really interesting to see, you know, how he fits in. Um, to me, he's, you know, relatively the same archetype of player as you have in Jordan Greenway at probably half the cost. Um, and then, of course, Mason Shaw, who, you know, obviously has really come into his own this year, but, you know, is he someone worth, you know, hanging on to potentially if he's, you know, is he more than a fourth liner, I think is, you know, kind of the question you have to ask yourself. And if he, if that's all he is, what is that worth to you? And do you have that replacement internally? What do you do there? So some tough decisions um, nonetheless, but uh, you know, I don't know if you guys share any of those thoughts or any players you're the most curious about and, you know, those types of things. Well, with, I mean, with Addison, I think, you know, it's kind of, you know, it, it may be kind of surprising at first to see that, you know, the guy with top one of the top scoring rookie defensemen been great on the power play this year could be, you know, potentially traded. And, you know, I, you know, I think there's definitely a reason why I think something that could hold that back maybe is their lack of depth kind of on the right side. I mean, you know, right now, obviously with Dumba gone, that's NHL right ready shot. depth. Yes, NHL, right that's true. And even if you assume that Faber is ready to step into the NHL full time this year, which, you know, one, we don't know if he is or will be. And even if he is, you know, how much responsibility is he ready for? How how actually good, impactful will he be that soon? You know, it's kind of undoubted. And then after that, it's, like you said, Brett, not really anybody who we think, you know, not really much there. So that could maybe make it a little hard to keep, you know, to really do the, make the deal and make the move to trade him. But like like you said, every you know even five hundred thousand million bucks kind of matters to this team right now. So if he you know really thinks that he wants to cash in, which you know he very well could deserve if he ends up finishing you know like a forty something point year, great. Uh, you know wouldn't hold that against him in any way. But you know you know it, if he decides that uh, you know that that's the route he wants to go, you know they might not be able to keep him and. You know, like Bruce was explained, uh, you know, he thinks that could be he could be a guy that they might be able to extract more value from in the trade. So, you know, it's it's kind of a there's pros and cons to that. Uh, but I mean, obviously, it just depends on how much he's wanting to, you know, get paid uh, this summer, whether or not he's going to be on this team after this year. Yeah, I mean, the the defenseman really intrigued me. It's it's going to be an interesting the way the way things unfold here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Addison almost reminds me a little bit of Ty Smith where he was, you know, with New Jersey had the really good, like 23 points in 48 games uh, was mentioned, you know, called a race, whatever. Addison's kind of same ballpark. And then he gets traded to Pittsburgh uh, of all teams, as we're talking about mm-hmm. Addison. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like, after we traded for him, he'd, he'd be someone that'd be going forward into the future. And then maybe not so much. Maybe we want to check on hoppy with this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do a wellness check on him. Uh, make sure I'm, he's doing I'm okay. I'm also very intrigued by, uh, you know, not intrigued by him. Uh, Jordan Greenway, like mm-hmm. last year, you yeah. had such just, a solid year with that grief. Before line we get into that, I want to, I want to try one yeah. more thing in on Addison. So yeah, I, I think for me, what it really breaks down to, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a huge point production guy when it comes to 
contract evaluation, but um, Addison, is it, I think he's up to 20 points on the year total. Might be just a hair more than that here. I think 22. Yeah, 22 points um, on the year. Only four of those are at five on five. Uh, three goals, one assist at five on five, which is course, you know, that's where you're playing the bulkier minutes. Um, expected goals, Corsi numbers look okay, hovering kind of right around that 50% mark. Um, I think he is like a minus six or seven or something on the year, um, which I think is lowest on the team. But I, I don't know if that's so much, you know, more a, a knock on his defense as it is some bad luck. Um, his mm-hmm. PD, you know, his expected goals against, I think, is sitting at like 18, and his actual goals against is like 26. Um, so, you know, eight, eight more goals than expected. So I don't think that's necessarily his fault. Um, although, you know, it, it, it could be, um, in mm-hmm. a sense too. So I think it really comes down to how you balance all those factors, but like you, you can't overlook, you know, 20 or whatever, 16 power play points. That's valuable. Um, especially for a team who historically, especially in the Capri Sob era has struggled in the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, and ha- has he been, you know, the, the main reason for that success? Hard to say. Um, but he's undoubtedly been a contributor. I mean, we've seen the plays he can make walking that blue line, the vision, um, his ability to distribute the puck on the power play. That's that's valuable. Um, and if you, you know, decide to move on from that, um, you know, he already superseded Spurgeon on that on that top unit. Does Spurgeon go back there? Or, you know, is it now all of a sudden is it a is it a five forward unit? You know, you need to have a, a plan to to replace it. I don't think that's, you know, all due respect to Brock Faber, who is likely a, a mainstay on this team next year. Um, on the blue line, um, I don't think that's him. Is it Spurgeon? I don't know. You're losing Dumba. I don't think it's Brodeen. So you know w- what happens there. So you have to plan all those things. It's all these things that they have to consider. Um, so how that unfold? Like I will say this: I don't think any trade that happens with Addison happen. It, if one were to happen, that's not going to happen until the off season. I don't think they're it's, they're not moving him in season. Um, at all so um and i think the same at this point you know barring some amazing offer might be true for dumba as well um you know i think if you read um joe smith's story in the athletic um garen alluded to um you know, if we trade dumba we need to get a player back who can play that role um they don't believe that galagoski merrill addison is that top true top four um we can agree mm-hmm. and disagree there because i thought addison looked good with brodeen um when we saw that experiment happen a couple times but um so, you know, and that type of hockey trade, I just to me, just doesn't seem super common for a player like Dumba unless it's a sign-in trade situation. Um, but we'll see. Um, so really, be really interesting to see what happens between, you know, Faber potentially arriving late in the year, um, Goligoski, you know, being a little upset about finding time on the bench, you know, Kaelin Addison's future, Dumba's future. Like, the Blue Line will have some question marks. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that unfolds, um, you know, coming down toward the end of the year. Uh, all right, and then Justin, to cut you off, uh, as, you, as you're yeah, heading to the next it. topic, and the next topic was Jordan Greenway, um, and it's not something that was really super on our radar a ton this year up until mm-hmm. kind of some recent developments, um, notably that game last Sunday um, against St. – the one against St. Louis, I think? Yes. Yeah. Um, Jordan <laughs> Greenway, a late scratch in that one. Originally, thought I think we thought it was like illness or an injury – um, turns out it's because he missed a pregame team meeting that was supposed to be at five o'clock. I don't think he showed up to the rink until six. Um, second time he's done that this year. Um, we just talked about you know a guy like Brandon Duhame who has fit in on that line. Um, Greenway, I think two more years left after this year. I'm um, at a three million dollar cap hit. We just talked about the cap crunch they're in, um, and I think if you kind of analyze this roster and which player with term with cap that you know, might be the most replaceable. I think mm-hmm. Justin, this is what you're about to go into. That might be Jordan Greenway. Yeah. I mean, last year he looked great. I think he gets that contract fits in with the grief line. That line is just best defensive line in the NHL. And we're sitting here like, Oh, maybe uh, we were wrong about him. Um, maybe it's partially the injuries this year, but you know, they keep preaching about culture and, and, you know, building that identity and, and being accountable, and it just seems like Jordan Greenway's fallen out of that, especially with these missed team meetings and stuff. And, you know, he hasn't looked necessarily that great out there a lot of nights. Uh, maybe, again, that's from his injuries and trying to get back into it. But um, he's just one of those guys that seems expendable, maybe 
go with his old coach in New York or whatever. I think that's where he coaches now, but I know he has an affinity for him there. But yeah, like you said, if you're looking at guys with numbers, like years and cap numbers that could help, you know, offset some of these costs the next two years, especially, uh, he seems to fit that bill, especially with this most recent news. Yeah, just yeah, six, I mean, six points in 26 games so far this year. Um, you know, expected goals percentage, I think, are on the 53% mark, but, um, you know, I think that's much more of the result of playing with, you know, two possession hounds like uh, Felino and Eck more so than it is him driving yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's still possibly a little bit maybe young enough where some coach or GM summer might still have the bit of a scout's eye on him. They see that, you know, he's a guy who's 6'6", six, six, you know, 220, mm-hmm. 230 pounds who, you know, like you said, right, even if he was carried by Eckett Felino last year, did look still pretty good regardless on that line. It was very impactful even if he was not, you know, scoring a lot. He does have some of the, you know, attributes, you know, the fact that he's big and can skate uh, and can play physical that, you know, teams could look for. And, I mean, Roos said this on his podcast today that, you know, even it doesn't even have to necessarily be a team who's a playoff team. It could be somebody who's just looking for a youngerish player who could maybe be a piece for them going forward that, uh, you know, is doesn't necessarily need him to, you know, to, to be a scorer. But, yeah, no, I don't think, you know, obviously it's disappointing that we know that they've had issues with Greenway before, like Justin was mentioning in the past, where Garen has, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago, basically sat him down and told him he had to get his crop together and, you know, start to be more mature and be a professional. It seemed like he had done that the last couple of years, and it does seem like that, you know, despite the frustration that they do have respect for him as a player and as a person. But, yeah, no, like you said, it's probably a, about – it's probably about the end of the run with this team for him, assuming that uh, somebody will, you know, want him, which it it seems likely enough. But it's – it's uh, you know. He's just unfortunately just seems to be too inconsistent and mm-hmm. does not play up to his potential on or off the ice too much. So. Yeah, it, it's really fascinating with him because you know I think we we saw that contract come through. You saw that you know how how much his play improved. You know how important mm-hmm. he was to that line. Um, and then this year, I think we've kind of seen you know whether it's been Mason Shaw or Dewar or Reeves or Duhame, who's ever stepped into that Eck line has seemed to seemingly fit in better than maybe in the past. Um, and I think when it comes to counting dollars and cents, um, you know, if, if, if there's a hockey trade to be made, I always say, if you can, if you could recoup your initial draft value. Um, so, you know, if the wild get back, uh, I think they, he was picked like 39th or something overall, I think Mm -hmm. in the second round pick, if they could come back, recoup a second round pick, um, you know, for maybe a, a rebuilding or, you know, non contending team you have to consider it. Um, cause that 3 million in cap is going to be an asset, especially as, you know, so we talked about, you know, tons of guys left to to resign. But, um, you know, I think Brandon Duhame, before injury, since he's come back, has looked really good. Um, you know, I, I guarantee this team doesn't like leaving the grit and the and the work ethic um, that Mason Shaw brings. Granted, he had some rough games kind of heading into um, when this team got fully healthy, which I think kind of led him to be that, you know, that, that 13th mm-hmm. forward. But, I mean, you look beyond that, you know, you have Rossi in the minors. You have, <clears throat> you have a guy like Sammy Walker. Um, you know, you have players you can plug in, and I it just to me it just seems you know writing on the wall for him that uh, you know if that they decide they need to move out cap, I think between him and potentially Goligoski, um, you know, it makes some sense to potentially clear five million uh, between those two and essentially recoup what you just lost on Boldy. So it'll be interesting to watch, um, no doubt. You know, just another storyline um, you know, as we head toward the season. I think you know even wondering, you know, does that happen? Now, does that happen later? Is it an off-season move? Is it an in-season move? Honestly, I don't know. I think it really depends on, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of in his court to prove, you know, he needs to be a vital part of this team um, <clears throat> going forward. So uh, the final kind of big topic on this show would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. It feels like we're talking about him every week because since mid-November, he's just been phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the Gus Bus. Philip Gustafson, who just continues to play absolutely awesome. So since I think it's November 19th, uh, 12 starts in that span, 10 2 and 0, 718 minutes of ice time, just 20 goals against. Um, one of and a fifth of those, four of those goals came in one game. So the other nine, he's given up 16 
Um, a 940 save percentage, a 1.67 goals against average, 11.28 goals saved above expected, nearly a goal saved above expected per game, um, and an 833 high danger percentage. Just on fire, you know, stole some games. One of those two losses was, I think, that 3 nothing loss against the Blues. And we talked about earlier that the Wild probably should have won. Um, he only gave up two in that one. I think the Blues got an empty net, like, you know. <laughs> so he even played well, you know, in, in that loss. Um, and then I think he had, you know, that, that four-goal game, I think might have been the other loss, like his one little real hiccup um, kind of the last two months. But, man, what a revelation. I think, you know, we, we kind of believe in this guy from the start. You know, we were like, eh, it's a lateral move. But, you know, I don't think we expected these kind of numbers. I mean, uh a goal saved above expected per game. I mean, you're talking, and, you know, even the Rob, you know, the numbers everyone can count, wins, save percentage, goals against. Like, this stretch has been, this is Vesna caliber goaltending. He's just been so calm in there. Um, he's stolen games. It just doesn't seem like he gets rattled. You know, he has the, the presence of mind to make that little keel save last night against the, the Capitals. You know, in a game, heel save. Yeah. <laughs> it looks and, like. <laughs> you know, in, in a 3-2 game where if that goes into a tie game, instead he keeps it out and they get an empty net goal. Like, it's just, it's the timely saves. It's the calmness. It's seemingly now it doesn't matter who the opponent is. If it's a division rival, if it's a good team out east, if it's, a sh- you know, a shitty team in the west. doesn't matter. He goes out, does his job. I mean, just how awesome has it been to... <laughs> to see a good goalie, you know, mm-hmm. do, playing well, not because of the team in front of him, but just off of his own pure skill. Yeah, I just kind of want to, sorry, Zeke. No, I just want to build off of the, you know, facing whatever team. Like, it seemed like when we first started getting starts, he was placing the shitty teams and, and then, like, keeping mm-hmm. us in games and playing well. And we were just kind of like, okay, is that just because of the team he's playing or is this, like, what he is? And slowly, you know, outside of the first few games, you know, the whole team was bad. But outside of that, he just keeps getting better. It's amazing. I think maybe we're not – I don't know if people realize this, but in the 2016 draft, he was the top-ranked European goalie. Uh, I think he was just ranked <clears throat> uh, overall just behind Carter Hart. But, you know, man, I have I know we've said it before, but I uh, love Talbot, but to get a guy 10 years younger and, and mm-hmm. seemingly – Maybe the change of scenery has helped him, and I've heard Garen say he's in better shape too. Just all that combined has just been uh, kind of a revelation for the Wild. Yeah, last five I mean, starts, four one and zero in those: Winnipeg, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, the Islanders, and then the Capitals. So I mean, there's there's yeah. no real cakewalks in there. So. Very good. I mean, I think you know Brett mentioned the uh, you know how calm he is. That's the biggest thing for me is that you know he also seems. He's not always calm. He just looks so big and net like that. You know, he's never particularly off his angles. He's not flopping around, you know, making every save look complicated. He's just really calm, really set, and really has made, you know, obviously the saves he needed to. But, you know, as everyone knows, he's also made some of the ones that you normally don't expect him to. And even, you know, against the Islanders last week when they scored that first goal, you know, it was kind of a fluky bad goal that kind of bouncer from the way up the blue line. You know, probably one, you know, it was a little bit of a tough bounce, but still probably one you'd like to have back. You didn't seem to be really rattled by it at all. Just, you know, got back in there, you know, did made the save when he was called upon to. And, you know, that was that. So I think that's oh, the biggest I mean, thing. Oh, goalie duel Ilya Sorokin, who are, might yeah. argue be the, the Vesna front runner right now. So, like, mm-hmm. well done, sir. Yeah, no, it was a. That was a great game, but yeah, no, I just think I just think the calmness is the is the biggest thing. And I mean, obviously, right now he's in a groove, so you know, and we know with goalies, especially we've seen it here with guys like Devin Dubnik in the past, that you know they can get in a role here, you know, for a month or two, where you know when you got that confidence going, as everyone knows, being goal a lot of times is a very can be a very you know mentally draining position. And when you are when you're going bad, it's really tough. But when you're going really good, it seems to be really great so obviously right now he's doing really great and it's earned him like you know justin mentioned just starting the games on like back-to-backs you know against the kind of not as great teams pretty much earned him even with just injuries he's played usually i mean every other game at least one out of every three games now and uh i you know obviously he's earned that and obviously the coaching staff trusts him now to be out there a lot more often yeah, I mean, pretty good sign when on January 18th, you know, you're just over the halfway point and your backup goalie has already started 
18 games in that span, you know, I think we talked about if he could give you 20 to 30 quality starts, that's what you're looking for. And he's well on his way to that. And, you know, I yeah. think he's really put the one situation where, you know, they can kind of ride a hot hand or alternate back and forth. I mean, that's the other thing too, um, is, you know, there was a, there was, you know, kind of a break, I think from late December into January where like he didn't really start a game and he came back mm-hmm. and didn't look like he missed a beat. Right. Like he doesn't seem like, yeah. You know, I think we felt that a little bit last year with Talbot or Fleury. It seemed like when you flipped one of them, it seemed like that first game gap back could be a little rusty and they needed to kind of find their footing again. And, you know, I think that this is held true for both Fleury and Gustafson. I think, you know, it's created a battle where, you know, they're both kind of fighting for that net, but in a good way. And you can kind of put either one in, you know, and if one comes out it, you know, the other one's not taking it personally. They're fighting to get that crease back and they don't need mm-hmm. They don't necessarily need to string games together to define their game. They've both been playing well. So, um, you know, it's pretty a, it's a darn good thing to have your your two goaltenders playing well when maybe your offense and defense hasn't had its best. And, you know, if you if if those two, you know, if those other two things can figure it out, I mean, that's that's a scary combination when you have a goalie who's locked down. And, you know, if the forward and defense can, you know, right the ship a little bit, I mean, this team's really setting itself up for, for success. So. Um, and Gustafson and Fleury too. Like uh, Fleury's been, you know, great during this stretch as well. Um, I don't want to dismiss that either. Like Fleury's been bad by oh. any means. Um, he's stolen some games and played well too. So, but just wanted to highlight Gustafson because of just no, yeah. kind oh. of the absurdity of some oh, of his yeah. numbers. And I mean, I think you know, you mentioned the contracts earlier. I mean, you know, like you said, he's he's definitely going to be due for more of a raise than we thought. But I guess I just have a hard time. Imagine that would be too much, you know, maybe the highest, like three something, uh, just kind of thinking out loud. Cause I mean, you want to maybe have played what 30 to 35 games this year, be his first real stretch. So, you know, he'll definitely command a bit more of a salary, but you know, I guess I, I can't imagine it would be too ridiculous at this point. Yeah. I think a really good comparison would be, um, <clears throat> uh, Billy Huso. Um, who just, mm-hmm. you know, similar situation, a little bit older, but had that kind of that breakout year with um, St. Louis, kind of emerged as a one really solid. Uh, he got three years, 4.7 million. Um, you know, he was, they kind of rode him toward the end of last year. Um, so, you know, and had a little more experience, I think, under his belt. But, you know, I think, you know, that four to four, eight million range, you know, might not be mm-hmm. unreasonable. And I think if you're the wild, you know, do you pay him more than Fleury? I think, you know, that's going to be in the back of your mind too because Fleury, I think, just re-signed it. Was it 3-7, 3-8 or something, I think? Yeah. I think that'll yeah, be in consideration too. But, you know, anywhere from, I think, Fleury's number to, you know, someone like Ahuso, to especially considering, you know, the, the advantage the Wild have is I believe he's an RFA, um, so he can't go to the open market. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting too to see, you know, just an, another complicated piece of, of the puzzle, you know, not a bad problem to have a goalie playing well, but, um, you know, could, could be, you know, a player that you might now be paying more than you maybe initially thought you would have had to pay. Um, maybe when you made the trade, I think he's currently making like, I think it's like, I don't think it's (laughs) $800,000. Yeah. So just above league minimum. So yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, let's see. Do we have anything? Uh, anything major i think i think that was the huge touching points <laughs> yeah i think I think we hit mostly everything here so <laughs> we can talk briefly here upcoming schedule we alluded to a little bit um round out this four game road trip um down to the southeast uh carolina thursday florida saturday tampa bay tuesday um by no means um an easy stretch there and then philadelphia and buffalo at home um, before the Wild head into the All-Star break um, in about two weeks' time. So, uh, you know, going to be some tough games, and I think this will be a nice, you know, kind of who are you, you know, pulse check on the Wild, you know, kind of me- measuring stick games, um, if you will. Obviously, the Wild, you know, got the best of Tampa last time they played them, got them on the second half of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to get that lucky again. Um but, you know, should be some entertaining games. And I'm, you know, curious how this team responds after some, you know, some games that, as we mentioned at the hop, top of the show, maybe weren't their best efforts um, to see if they can kind of reel it all in and, you know, get, you know, I think if they can win two of these next three, um, you know, in three out of your next five going to the All-Star break, I think that puts you in a uh, a pretty good spot um, 
They're currently sitting third um, in the division, um, five points out of first place with two games in hand. So, I mean, you win two two games, all of a sudden you're, you're a point out of first place. Yeah. Um, and you start pulling away from um, <clears throat> Nashville, who is now <clears throat> six points back, with, and they have one more game. So you can really start to pull yourself and solidify a playoff position um, by winning some key games here. Yeah, I think this tough stretch started with Washington, so you know it was good to see them pick up the two points there. But uh, man, you're not wrong. This stretch is tough. I mean, all playoff contenders outside of Philadelphia the next two weeks. So yeah, I'd be happy with three out of five. More the better. But uh, I don't have much to add to that other than uh, mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you want to get the good feeling going into when you're going to be off for you know, a week and a half and, and, you know, especially cause you know, next month in February, they're a very home heavy schedule. So if you can, and you know, we know historically, you know, it's gotten better this year that the wild are very good at home. So to really just go into there with uh, kind of not necessarily a win streak, but just a really good stretch of play, you know, like, like you said, back up some points, then come back home after the break and uh, really get going towards the, you know, into the, the spring towards the end of the year. All right. Uh, well, any final thoughts here for either of you uh, before we wrap the show up? Nothing for me, really. I think we got it all. Justin? Yeah, no uh, no final thoughts for me either. Usually I have something, but uh, I guess uh, the biggest thing is thank you for your continued support between, you know, prospects and this page. You know, we're touching 2,300 on uh, followers on Twitter on this page, almost getting close to 6,000 on prospects. So it's just you know, the hard work is paying off just by your support alone. It makes it all worth it. I do appreciate it. Uh, If you would like to support the show, stay tuned. We're looking at maybe uh, just doing a small run of stickers um, that you can buy, slap it on your Yetis, your coolers, your cars, wherever. Um, Potentially if you want to support the show that way. So we're working on that. So stay tuned um, to Twitter for that to see if we can figure something out there won't be you know nothing we're not going to charge you 20 dollars for a sticker or anything but um you know, maybe five bucks or so if you want to support the show everything that we do all that good stuff um but that'll do it i think for this week you know we hit on the big stuff uh big week coming up and we'll be ready to uh to break it down next week but uh until then uh sign off as we always do justin where can everyone find you and all your work well, you can find me at D East 2004. You can find me at Caprisov C with the Caprisov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke? Yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, uh, capital Z, capital B. If you want to connect with me there, uh, that's where you'll find me. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well. At Sound the Foghorn, all one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. The Canes, the Panthers, the Lightning, as the Wild wrap up a four-game Southeast road trip. Uh, And those three games on tap next before we talk to you next. So until then, this has been another episode of...